Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Thursday, the 22nd of August, 2019. It's 1.07 in the afternoon as we begin recording here in the Palatial Studio. It's 62 East Broad Street, home of Ohio's greatest home newspaper. Kyle, 107 is what I got on my watch. What do you have? I have 106. Oh, I have one oh six. It just changed. Yeah. So you're late again, Jacob. Yeah, this is a reoccurring theme. Kyle, I feel the, like someone should have caught on by the, now. The yellow, never on time. The yellow card accumulation. Yeah. I think. What's the set out one podcast? I think he's up to lunch now. What's the fine structure here? <laughs> yeah. He's up I think to he lunch. Needs to bring lunch in now for the three of yeah, us. Coffee is, is <laughs> yeah. not cutting it. Can we get our listeners to tweet <laughs> at you, not me, what sandwich <laughs> I should bring you? At K Rob Photo. I want one of those Popeyes and then chicken you had, sandwiches. You had parking meter problems or something. Yeah, we're just hoping there's not something on the windshield when I get back. You know, we're trying to run a first-class organization here. and I do this for the people, let that be said. The crew last night ended a six-game unbeaten streak, 2-0-4, with a one to nothing loss at the Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, NYFC, at NYCFC, EIEI. United. Oh, you could have and probably should have won by a bigger margin, especially given the mm-hmm. first half. That said, the crew did play a spirited second half and nearly stole a point out of a tough building. The New Yorks, they, they've lost only one home game this year, so that's a tough place. Was Tati offside? Mm. I don't think I don't so. Think so no. I don't think so either. It was, it was either a perfect run or a terrible backline marking. I think it's a terrible Was there line. an argument that he no, was offside? Just, no, he was pretty no, they, they said, It was so perfect. Yeah. It's like, how do you get so yeah, open? Yeah. You know what I mean? No, but there are issues. Mensa and Crowley were trying to figure out who to step up and mark, and they both pushed up, and the guy slid on the backside, and you can't have that. Mm-hmm. One of them has It almost that. happened later, too, and yeah. Crowley just got his foot out in right. time, and it was a similar play. Because Crowley pushes up at first and then drops back, and then Mensa kind of moves forward, and they both move up, and then they leave the whole back, the middle open for that perfectly played ball. That was awesomely well struck. I think it too. also happens to do with the defensive midfielders, Artur and Guzman. Maybe they were out of position. I'd have to go back yeah. and look at the play, but I don't think it all falls on the center backs. I think it does. Well, the last two goals scored yeah. against your Columbus crew, the Altidore goal that yeah. equalized on Saturday, and, and this one where they were... They're good finishes, too. Good finishes. Yeah. Very easy. Yeah. In any case, as uh, Jacob put it in his three takeaways last night, and you can find those at Dispatch.com and, or on the Facebook page, that the Crew Fans Facebook page that Jacob administers. The Crew sits seven points behind three teams tied for seventh. The three teams tied for seventh. The crew is seven points behind those three teams. And those three teams are tied for the seventh and final playoff spot in the East. The Montreal, Orlando, and Toronto. Each of the three has a game in hand, which means see ya. Thanks for coming, however you want to put it. Although, not a shock that you know, one loss would put any tenuous playoff hopes pretty much beyond tenuousness and into another realm. Also, they do finish at Atlanta, and they also have a game against Philadelphia. Among their final six games, do the crew of the SC. And you can feel now, can you not, Jacob and Kyle, the loss of those home points that yeah. slipped through their fingers, even over this uh, unbeaten streak, especially over this yeah. unbeaten streak. You have four points that you dropped in the last three matches. You had those extra four, what, you're three back. You know, it's kind of a little bit more. You're in the hunt. Yeah, you're in the hunt, and it, and it makes it kind of challenging towards the end of the downstretch, but still, I mean, I think as fans, they should be kind of frustrated that, you know, the last three games, you only have two points Yeah, you know, out of nine. That's uh, at K-Rob Photo, Kyle Robertson, by the way. I am Michael A. Race, at Michael A. Race, one on the Twitter, and of course, there's our crew beat writer, Jacob Myers, at Jacob underscore Myers underscore 25, and at the dials as usual is Patrick Flaherty at the Podfather too. 
So follow us on Twitter, especially Kyle. You, you can beat him up pretty easily. So squandering points and then, you know, the 113 and 1 hasn't helped their playoff hopes this year. Well, that's exactly what did them <laughs> in. Looking back, and, and they've said as much, it's when you look back at the season, circled and a big red marker is going to be that stretch there. It's just pretty simple. You yep. lose 13 games out of 15, and you're putting yourself in a hole you you're, really can't dig out of. You're not very good. Nope. It's one of the, you're one not of the shield contending, right? Yeah, with the shield. Yeah, it's out of the way there. So says the shield. Caleb Porter rejiggered his lineup Wednesday night to rest players for the upcoming second leg of the Hell is Real. Do you say Darby, Kyle? I don't know what you would say. Yet. I keep trying to use rivalry. Good. I think most people use rivalry. So last night in the Bronx, Jossie's artist did not dress. Not a surprise in one sense, but the reason is up for interpretation, Jacob. Yeah, didn't get a reason. Normally, I get on the phone after the game with Caleb Porter. and Dude blew you off, man. <laughs> yeah, he declined <laughs> to happened? comment. Just, I got a call from their spokesperson there, said they're, he's not going to get on the phone after the game. So, yeah, I'll ask him tomorrow when we get there. But I think when you're looking at this, you can draw on a couple things he said earlier this year that... Porter said he doesn't have to sit guys to, you know, teach right. a lesson per se or right. whatever. And he's only going to play guys if they deserve it. So I would say Romario Williams has probably deserved to start yep. the way he came off the bench. He didn't look great or really had he didn't really have any chances Wednesday night. And then Jordan Hamilton hadn't gotten a game yet. Again, only if he deserves it. I don't know. I haven't seen him at all. But when you look at Jossie Zardes, he's clearly missed open chances. And Porter kind of talked about that after the Toronto game. And he still trusts Jossie Zardes to make those. But I think maybe he needed a game to, you know, get his thoughts straight or, or what have you. It, it's all a mental game. Did he travel with the team? Do we know? The broadcast or? said he didn't, but okay. then in the past, I don't know for sure, but in the past they've had guys not on the 18-man travel, so I think it all depends. Well, I mean, I think you can look at it one or two ways. He also has played a lot of games, and he had to call up the U.S. national team, so you know, it could be one of those things, hey, things are kind of getting out of hand, take a game off, kind of He didn't recharge. play a lot with the men's national team in the Gold Cup. Though. Right, but you're still playing, and you're still, I mean, it's a long season for mo- you know for most of these guys. All right, let me ask so, you this, Captain. But I think it's a kick in the butt. Captain America Kyle. Yeah. Given his recent form, does Greg Berhalter call him up in September? I say no. I don't think so either. I don't know the player pool in general. Yeah. It's kind of weak, yeah. right? Yeah, I would say weak. But, I mean, you have a lot of guys that are starting overseas and that might get a look. I think you bring him into the camp and see how, how he's going, but I don't. I think it's going to be tough to get into that. Yeah. That's a good question, Mike. I, I hadn't thought about that at all. Okay. Who be the other? Josh Sargent? Yeah, I mean that. I mean, you got a couple guys out there that are that are playing that you can kind of bring in. But I mean, that's one that comes to mind. What else did Porter do with the lineup last night? Eduardo Sosa was in the central midfield and taken out at halftime for Pedro Santos. Porter directly called out Romario Williams and Sosa at half, saying they weren't pushing high enough to pressure the ball when they could. And as you saw, New York City really just kind of took it to the crew back line and just got away with maybe anything they wanted. So you saw Santos got in there. He's been their spark. He was kind of that in the second half. They didn't yeah, get he a was, goal. wasn't he? Yeah. Well, we should have covered Toronto since yeah. uh, that's, that game was played Saturday. Um, and that was a, a classic disappointment. Was that in stoppage time, the Altidore goal? It was right, right. entering yeah. stoppage time, like the final seconds of the 90th minute. And pretty simple switch, cross, head. Started with the turnover at midfield. Yeah, didn't get enough guys back. I talked to Jonathan Mensa about that. He said he was looking to see where Josie was over his right shoulder. And by that time, the ball was coming. 
and he saw Josie on his left, tried to retreat. He kind of had to push out because Josh Williams right. got pushed out, and that was a good tactical move, I would assume, by Toronto did that to get Josie a one-on-one. But they had three guys in the box to one for Toronto. Josh gets put out, and then you only have two guys to defend right. Josie Altador. I felt bad for Aloy Room just because he, on both goals, just didn't. No, he I mean, played he well did, last yeah, night. Yeah, he played really well, and he just, you know, he, got, he didn't have a chance, you know. And I, I think he got, you talked to him, did he get screened on the first one? Because it looked like he kind of made a dive afterwards. Room? Yeah, on the, the first one. I don't know if someone was in his way or, or if he got blocked on seeing, seeing the shot. From but, last night? No, uh, from Saturday. Oh, oh no, Sorio's goal? Yeah. I don't know. It looked like yeah. he didn't have as quick of a reaction. I didn't ask him personally, but what the broadcast pointed out is, I mean, the defense right. just let Osorio yeah. come down and have a clear shot. And got this league's good enough. You have guys that can score from 25 yards out when there is no pressure. That's a pretty good chance for those guys. 90th minute is, you might want to stop the ball. Credit yeah. to Toronto. I mean, that was uh, well executed. They made it look easy. You, you can do a number of things. You yeah. can get possession, dribble to the corner. You can foul guys just to slow up the game, yeah. keep possession. These are all things Mensa mentioned. So, yeah, a lot but, of things they have they to work on. But they made a good comeback to get it to 2-1. to one. I mean, Yeah, you know. to get it to 2-2, two, two, yeah. Well, no. They, they, they get it 2-1. 2-1, yes. yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. Their problem is they shouldn't be behind right. at that point, and that's been right. a consistent thing all season. I would have to look at how many first-half goals they've had, but of the 12 and 6 games, they scored three in the first half. That's an issue. It's tough to win games when you do that. There are some pauses from it from what I saw in the field especially in the first half. One of the things I like most about it is now when like Diaz is hacking down the right side, Zardes is making that front post run to the goal, and Mokhtar kind of came in and kind of, he made that first fake, and then Diaz passed it to Mokhtar on the top of the key, right around the penalty spot. And I don't think you saw that a lot earlier in the season where it was just Josie. So they were making the runs, and then they were just playing it in. So, Jossie, yeah. yeah, so to get the, the second supporting striker up there and moving in from the wings. And, you know, you saw that even on the other side, too. Santos had, a, like, a half volley around the penalty spot, too. So uh, that was one thing that I saw in the first half that I really liked, that they were hitting the second guy, not Zardes, making that front post run on the crosses from the, from the outside. They're still not getting consistently enough guys in the box, no. and that's something they have improved on it from earlier in the year, but I'd like to see that improve right. consistently. There was only one way to go on that. Up. Speaking of first half goals allowed, is that a good segue? There you go. Thank you. That's actually very bad, but it's been just about two weeks since the, the crew gave up two in the first half and then came back and tied FC Cincinnati. You. Are they you also? SCFCC before a, a standing room crowd in, in the Montfrey Stadium. Crew should have won that game probably 6-2, but there you have it. They're meeting again. Do you just call it Hell is Real again, or is it part realer two. now? Or volume part two. two? I like volume. Volume two. No. There's probably some English term yeah. for it. Or you could do like the UFC in like, you know, 242 and just say Hell is just Real keep going 1, up. 2, 3, 4, yeah. Well, that would be Hell is Real 3. Then. Yeah. Hell is Real 3. If you you got to throw in the U.S. Open yeah. Cup game. Oh, 2017. Yeah. Maybe right. it's two and a half then. Since yeah, two and a half. Hell is real. Two and a half. Six <laughs> o'clock Sunday episode title. Yeah, <laughs> in the Nippert Stadium on the campus of the University of Cincinnati. That place will be jumping just as Crew Stadium was. It's been filled all year, and Jacob, the crew is doing a lot. They've consciously stepped up their effort to enhance fan experience within their stadium and now they're kind of carrying that to Cincinnati this weekend. Tell us what's going on with that stuff. Yeah, the correct me if I'm wrong, the fans going, like they have a select number of hotel rooms yeah. to give to the fans. That was, I guess, a week ago. I didn't... They went quickly. Yeah. 
obviously yeah and then what isn't fc cincinnati doing like donate your crew gear and get 30 yeah, percent off our yeah, gear yeah, yeah. there's a crew party yes did see that and over the rhine at the theater what's the name of that theater don't recall in any case uh, woodward theater it's going to be a two-day extravaganza i guess and, standing uh, room only party so that's good there's obviously a lot of juice in this and and uh, even the league has noticed that their teams in ohio now well they started noticing in like november of, or october of 2017 but now this is a uh, being featured as a rivalry game on the national television though no? yeah it's the only nationally televised game i think since he may have had one or two before only one for the crew this yeah. season it's what you want to see right with a budding rivalry as I think the last game certainly will have a lot of attention because of the excitement of the last game at Matt Free. Yeah, I'm excited to see the crowd at, at Nipper. I think it'll be good. It just feels a little diminished because the crew's run a form the last three games. You think if they're back in the race like we just talked about, there'd be a little more excitement? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. How do you guys feel nah, going into this one? throw all that out the window, yeah. yeah. This will be like a shield game, put it that way. All right. It'll be intense, yeah. yeah. Because Cincinnati, they, they do anything for a W, especially against the crew. And uh, the crew, this is if you're going to win one of the last six, this is the one where you want to win. Yeah, I don't have a good judge of the pulse down there. I'm sure it was what maybe we were all feeling leading up to that game here. Sure. I think the mid yeah. midweek game just diminishes a little bit. But yeah, it should be should be a great crowd. It should be I mean they rested some guys. Rocking. What will the crew's lineup look like, Jacob? I think nor I think Jossie Zardes will be back in there. And then you'll probably have Mokhtar, Santos Diaz. Trap our tour, and then maybe Waylon Francis is healthy. Maybe he's still a little bit away. So then you would probably just have Maloney, Josh Williams, Mensa, and Awful, and Aloy Rams. It should be a, a full rested unit for the most part. Even Santos just playing 45 minutes, he'll be fine in there. Looking forward to it. Actually, we'll be going down there. I think. Am I driving? I hope not. <laughs> why, why? Is he not a good driver? <laughs> oh, I'm an excellent driver. I believe it. I'm an excellent driver. Were you uh, driving a big moving truck last so, week? I was. There you go. Yeah. 10 minutes to Wapner. <laughs> I'm an excellent driver. I want to also very quickly, and, and we'll kick this around more next week, but with St. Louis being awarded a team as of two days ago, supposedly coming online in two years, in 2022, we should have a dedicate some time in the future to kicking around realignment. What are they going to do exactly? Because That's an off-season topic for yeah. sure. Well, given the way that teams are coming online over the next three years or four, there's going to be... Nashville, Miami, Well, you, Lewis, got, you got Austin. Miami and Nashville next year and Austin the year after that and St. Louis. In St. Louis, and if Charlotte or comes aboard, they want to get going in 2022, I think. But if it's not Charlotte, at what, at what point do you divide into like Sacramento? Looks yeah. like it's going to get the next next bid. I'll be kicking some of this stuff around loosely, not necessarily alignment in a column tomorrow morning. But what I was getting at is, is there going to there's going to be interludes here, year two, where there's odd numbers, east west, east or west, and the league may have to look at uh, depending how they finally fill out 30 teams, they're going right. to have to look at how and whether they can balance the schedule and what they want to do regionally. But anyway, that's for down the road. You know, we'll also touch on before. Did you solicit any questions, Jacob? No, I did not. That's on my part. So but, maybe I'll bring in lunch then. But you, you, you were late, though. <laughs> so you got that going for you, too. We'll get questions next week. May, I'll bring it up because we were kind of kicking the tires yesterday, just trying to get updates around the stadium and whatnot. Right. Reach out to officials from the city, you know, officials from both parties being the Haslam's, the crew. It seems like things are, as it were, maybe they have some agreements in place in terms of 
portions of the land, but well, nothing signed and dated is what I gathered. The rumor was that, as when you texted me, the, the rumor was there was a signed deal and that there was an agreement in place and that they were heading toward closing. And I think as we made phone calls, we found out that, no, not everything's done yet. Status quo, as you said, I think some stuff has been signed, but there's a lot of stuff to sign given all the parties involved in this, including the city development office and, and the two parties negotiating the sale. And uh, there's probably other involvement too, county and definitely city. Yeah, I called the county auditor and they had no change in the ownership of that land. Right. One of another domino that's going to fall next is to essentially have it in writing that there's a partnership between the city, a public entity and Haslam Sports Group, a private entity is this new community authority and that has to be voted on by the city council. It's essentially just something in writing that hey, we have to create this so that there is an agreement between a private and a public company to help out this project. So well, that should be next month. Well, the quote I heard that would sum up the situation from the crew point of view, I think, was we've moved past, well past worry and into the excitement stage. And I think part, and this is me connecting dots, just talking, but what I gathered was that they're really fired up about, they're talking about closing in September now and breaking ground in October. The, the breaking ground in October hasn't really changed. Closing's been pushed back according to things that I was told earlier this month, but it, again, that's just more paperwork. In any case, the excitement has to do with, with the stadium, which I think, and, and I think this is what made it drag a little more, is that you know nationwide, before it finally signed off on this parcel and wanted to be comfortable with the aesthetics of, of those grounds as it fits in with the larger aesthetic of the arena district. Now, I'm not saying they're going to build another nationwide arena down there, but one thing that I heard was that this stadium, if you go and Google like the artist renderings of Nashville, say, or even like uh, Cincinnati, anything recent that this one is, it's not going to be your normal modern spaceship. They're pretty fired up about the way this thing's going to look and, and what it's going to represent. So I think that's that was my big takeaway after making phone calls yesterday. That's good to hear because I mean when you went to DC last year, right? Mike, yes. did you go, Kyle? So I was surprised how much space that stadium seemed to take up. And then when driving by the space for this proposed stadium, I mean, the space where the United Stadium, it almost looks like it would be that entire space for the proposed stadium. And I just think that they're, like you said, they're maybe building, they're building a village and all these different things. So there's a lot of other different things. There's about 40 acres. And I think the stadium, when it goes up, aside from the rest of development, is, is going to be two acres around it from what we've been told. That's going to be sort of, that's where you gather and they have uh, other events there. So there's that. We have no questions. Yeah. Close. I, well, I do. I want to add a little nugget that I was at the uh, on Friday when DeWine and his task force were over at the Ohio State Fair, the Expo Center. Right. Um, so they had a little press conference and a little a little meeting. And there's a 20, 20 members part of this task force, and uh, I believe it's called the Expo 2050. Right. And basically, the task force took a two-hour tour around the whole entire kind of complex to look at everything. And then DeWine kind of came out afterwards and basically said, "Look, we're not going to do anything with Mafre." We're here. We like the vision. And so they're basically trying to put together a plan to look at what the future is going to be like. And I, and from my gathering, you know, and Bill Bush knows the in and outs, but they're not going to obstruct or anything with I, that. I had in know. a recent column that the, that the governor has been behind the yeah. Mafre redevelopment from the start. But the only thing I will say is there is no one from the crew or the Browns on the task force. So, you know, so there's no input from them directly on the panel of 20. Now, it might come from the Columbus Foundation or some other people here and there. 
but you know, there's no one from the actual crew or the Browns or the Haslam, Haslam on the Haslam on the ta- yeah. yeah on the task force. So here's from Bill Bush. He yeah. says Governor Mike DeWine on Friday said the state plans to accommodate a proposal to transform parking lots around Moffray Stadium into a practice facility for the crew and a new Columbus City Rec right. facility. Look, we're going to accommodate that. DeWine told yeah. reporters that, and the, and the and rub, some things the, to work out in yeah. regard to parking. And the, yeah, the, that was the rub was they were going to take 21 acres of parking spaces right. essentially away from the fairgrounds and that is being worked out and it's yet to be worked out finally. yeah they, to, to me when i was there at the, in the short meeting and, and and it was basically the first meeting and the wine was there with the co-chairs and everyone and you know he basically says that he loves the fair he loves that that section but he wants to look into the future to kind of figure out how to keep things going and he says it's a great thing for Ohio and for the Columbus and that they're just going to continue to kind of look and kind of get a master plan of how things are going to look. And that includes the Moffray complex or whatever, whatever the name of it is going to be. All right. That's, uh, yeah. we're up to speed. We're going to accommodate that. Yes. Is about as clear as you yeah. can get as, look, we're going to get something yeah. done. Sounds like that to me. And he's been fairly consistent about that. I agree. I don't know. You guys have anything else? Patrick nope. Flaherty? Sunday FS1. Got nothing. Kyle, you can start picking out a lunch site. Although I will say that, you know, the old in between on on Young Street is now the Buckeye Chili and Smokehouse. And I stopped there for lunch. Was it good? They just, it was excellent. They just got their liquor license. So they're they're just kind of gearing up. And this is, I'm only plugging this because I just ate there. And so. What do you recommend? I had, uh, I had the chili, which was good. Do they only have one chili, or do they have a like, Oh, they have, they have different chilies, but I was like, I was like, would you recommend the vegetarian chili? And I loved it. The dude, dude, dude goes, no, but they were very, atten- <laughs> very attentive. They were very attentive. Did you get some and, chili and, some and they, you know, they're trying to get it going. Free plug for them, because I'd like to see, Kyle, you and I have seen places come and go there over, over the decades, and this feels like a good place. Yeah. So, anyway, there's All that. Right. It's right in the shadow of Ohio's greatest home newspaper sign. Over there on Young Street. So Patrick Flaherty is going to get a free pork sliders out of this. There we go. That was the lunch special. Ooh. So there you go. That's about all we got today. I think we've exhausted ourselves here because we were fretting over Jacob even showing up. Took a lot out of us. But we made it to the end. And for Kyle Robertson and, and the pod father, Patrick Flaherty, and Jacob Myers, our beat writer, we'll see you in Cincinnati on the TV. What network's that on? Is that FS1? FS1, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. From the Nippert Stadium, the hell is real. Three. Two and a half. Two and a half. Thanks for joining us. Remember at Dispatch Alerts on Twitter and Dispatch.com. Jacob does a great job compiling stuff for those places and also for the fans' Facebook group. So check it out. We'll talk to you next week. And Patrick, kick us out.